just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This could be the next 1918 pandemic. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? Are you isolating yourself? Who do you count on? It's actually to protect you. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is our special series in which we bring you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic. We want to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We're all in this together, my friends. According to the New York Times, the Trump administration now projects that by this June, there will be 3,000 COVID-19 deaths every day in the United States. That's almost double from the current daily rate of about 1,750. This is not good, people. It would mean that, as a whole, the U.S. hasn't come as far as many had hoped. As some states have begun to reopen, it feels like we're in a transitional time. Communicating risk as folks begin to relax their social distancing measures is a piece of the puzzle. But whom do you believe when there is conflicting information? It's something that our guest... A Apoorva Mandavili has to think about constantly. She's reported on infectious diseases for the journal Nature, for the New Yorker, and she founded the autism magazine Spectrum. Now she's joining the New York Times, where she is bolstering their coverage of this pandemic. Welcome to Science Rules, Apoorva. May I call you Apoorva? Yes, please do. That is my name. Thank you. Thank you. Now, A problem we have as consumers of news, of consumers of information, of people who listen to what officials are telling us, there's a lot of information, but we're not sure whom we should be listening to and whom we should be ignoring. What do you think? What do you think about the coverage so far about the pandemic? I think that the coverage uh, from some outlets has been spectacular. I think there are colleagues um, at the New York Times, there are journalists at the Washington Post, at the LA Times, at ProPublica. There's so many different outlets that are doing amazing work. Stat News, which has really risen to prominence during this pandemic. There are so many publications doing really credible, well-researched, thorough work. Uh, But I agree with you that there is just a glut of information and we journalists are also consumers of that information. And we also feel the, the stress and the, the bewilderment that comes with having too much information and not knowing which to believe. Um, for us, that's a little bit 
different. I guess it's it's more looking at which papers to report, which science to believe, which agencies to believe, and things like that. But um, we are also feeling the effects of that same overload. So speaking of overload, I mean, there there's just a lot of things. This week, last weekend, people are all over Central Park. They were all over certain beaches. They all ran outside to watch the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds fly overhead. And people are not maintaining physical social distance. Uh, is that from bad reporting? I don't know if it's from bad reporting or it's just that it is really hard for people to wrap their heads around the idea that the world they have come to know has just gone and that it will stay gone for a year and a half or two years. That's just, I think, really difficult. It can't be a year and a half. That's impossible. Whereas, actually, it's pretty possible. Exactly. It's not just possible, but probable. And it it's a very optimistic, even, scenario. Um, if everything goes well, maybe it'll be a year and a half. But we are in this for the long haul. And I think that's been obvious to infectious disease reporters for quite a while now. But I think for the average person, it's just really hard to take that in. And if you've seen those photos, I don't want to shame any particular generation here, but there are a lot of young people, I think, who feel that uh, they've seen in the reports that they're not at particular risk. And so, you know, they're not really doing any harm. Um, and maybe that's a part where we could have done better at uh, really you know, putting information out there that even people who are asymptomatic, who are young and don't feel sick, can still keep the pandemic going, can still spread the infection to other people. Well, that's the whole thing. If you have no symptoms or very mild symptoms and you infect everybody around you, that's just it's this one thing leads to another. It's this exponential growth. It's all these things. So speaking of young people, one of the fundamental questions out there is about schools. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and kids in school and so on, because I was a kid for a long time. In many ways, of course, we all still are. But kids interact. If nothing else, they high five, let alone play tag, let alone spit on each other and so on. Now, you know, this is a call-in show. And so what we've gotten is people leaving us voice messages. And I think we have a voice message from Dan about schools that I'd like you to comment on, on uh, as we say, on the other side. Let's roll that digital recording. Hi, Bill and team. My name is Dan Peluso. I'm a high school science teacher in Vallejo, California. Should schools remain closed? You know, it's going to be hard to keep students six feet apart and doing all the other stuff the CDC recommends. It's probably just not going to happen. So, you know, what, what gives? Like, what's, what's, the right, what's the right answer here? What does science have to say? Well, what is the right answer? What does science have to say? So the answer to whether schools should reopen is, is really not a simple one because there's what science says, but then there's plenty of other things to consider. So let me start with the science. Um, I've actually just been reporting on um, exactly this question. There are two new studies that have come out back to back and and they've been really interesting um, ways of looking at this question. So one asked a very straightforward and simple question, which is if a kid is infected, do they have the same amount of virus in their bodies as adults do? And the answer turns out to be yes. So that's a very straightforward answer. When There's you say no- amount of virus, like the, the number of molecules is the same? That's right, or the viral load. Just- it's just so big. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, uh, some fraction. It's still a huge 
viral load and there could be a great deal of shedding, right, of the virus. That's right. That's yeah. right. So that's it answers a very important question because one of the things people have been thinking is that if kids are not that sick, maybe it's that their bodies just don't allow the virus to multiply in the same way that adults' bodies do. Yes. Then there was another study that looked at um, the number of contacts that kids have. And th these researchers are the world's experts at doing this kind of contact tracing. And they um, did a very clean study where they looked at the number of contacts um, that an average person might have before the lockdown and after. And their conclusion is basically that children are about one third less likely to get infected than adults are. But when schools are open, they are three times, they have three times as many contacts as adults do. So that's basically a wash. Maybe kids are one third less likely to be infected, but if they're coming into contact with three times as many people, they have just the same risk. Three so, times one third is one, everyone. <laughs> so if you're scoring right. along with us. And I, I want to say these are approximate numbers and these are estimates. Well, that's got to be close enough. My goodness. When you have a sample size of 300 million if you're within a few percent, it's, we're talking about huge numbers of infections. They didn't really do a China-wide estimate. They, they looked at uh, some pop number of people in Wuhan and in Shanghai. But still, um, I do really put a lot of stock in, in this team's work. And I think these, these, um, this evidence is believable. So together, that tells us that, yes, kids may be less at risk. Yes, kids may not be getting sick themselves, so we don't have to worry about them, but we do have to worry about them passing the infection on to other people. But, but hang on, hang on. Dan, the science teacher, had a question. Should we reopen the schools or not? Right. So, so the science is telling us it's not going to be as simple as, oh, the kids are fine and they don't send it to anybody else, spread it to anybody else. But we also do know that schools don't just teach kids right? They, they offer really important social interaction for a lot of kids. They're the safest places to go in New York City and many other places. That's where kids get food. So it, it, the consideration is not just the science. It's going to have to be lots of other things. So, you know, for that, like for any other thing, any other business having to reopen, we're just going to have to figure out ways of reopening schools. I think the idea of not having schools open at all for the next two years is just not possible. Okay. Let me ask you this. How would you open schools? Would you, would there be a tradition that we now establish? Like some schools have school uniforms, right? Should the school uniform include a face mask? Is That's that an idea so crazy? It just might work. Where that your school's <laughs> logo is on your face mask and you take pride in your school's face mask. Yeah, I think that's an absolute possibility. And um, I think, uh, you know, there are experts who are thinking about this right now, but, you know, they would probably say things like the school should try to do as much social distancing as possible. That if a kid has an underlying condition, they probably shouldn't come to school or a teacher has an underlying condition they probably shouldn't come to school or should do some other kind of job that doesn't require so much interaction. But, you know, in Germany, they're trying to have desks that are far enough apart. Maybe kids only come to school on um, certain days of the week. You know, some kids come on certain days, other kids come on other days. There are probably creative ways that we can solve these problems. And that's the kind of thinking that should be happening right now. But everybody has to believe that the problem needs to be solved. Thanks for that question, Dan. And Apoorva, thanks for addressing it. Yeah. But everybody's obsessed with reopening the economy. Is that even possible? 
I guess it's got to be possible, but it's just going to make matters worse, it seems to me, if you open, which we almost certainly are doing, if you open too soon. I think it's not possible to not reopen the economy. I think that's that's the reality that we're faced with. We can't possibly not reopen for the next two years because that's what we're looking at. So the experts that I've spoken to are very clear about this. There are ways that we could do this. There are ways in which states could do this if they are prepared. And there's sort of a three-pronged strategy there. You know, First of all, you have to have the tests in place. You have to have access to as many tests as you need and to test people as often as you need. Okay, hang on, hang on. We need something. How many tests do we need? We need 30 million? We need 3 million a day or some crazy thing? I mean, we might need to test people once a week. Certain Mm -hmm. people, like healthcare workers, might need to be tested once a week just to make sure they're not sick. Um, And, you know, then we also need to make sure that we have surveillance in place, sort of like we've done in the past for influenza. There needs to be very um, easy to access information about people coming into hospitals and clinics so that we know very quickly if the epidemic is coming back, if there's a surge in progress. And that has to be extremely time sensitive. And then we also need to make sure that our hospitals are ready, that our healthcare workers are protected, that they have all the PPE they need, that we have all the equipment that we need. Um, So, you know, if we have all those things in place, we can reopen the economy in shifts, in batches. There are things that we can do, like make sure that people um, continue to practice physical distancing within stores, that, you know, they only let certain number of people in at times. Maybe people go shopping at certain times of day or week, you know, based on their age or which neighborhood they live in, there are, you know, these are all the things that we should be figuring out is how to reopen. Okay. Okay. I know those are the three things, testing, surveillance, and um, hospital preparedness. We'll be back right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Have we learned anything from 1917, 18, 19? Is there anything 
that we learned about reopening. How about the one, the one, the pandemic in, or worldwide serious illness in 1957? Have we learned anything from those experiences? Well, we've learned a few things. I think one thing we know from the 1918 pandemic is that the, the second wave in the fall or winter can be deadlier. Um, and I don't know if governments have paid attention to that. I don't know if the U.S. government has paid attention to that, but certainly public health experts and epidemiologists all are aware of that um, and that we need to be ready for the second wave. I think we also learned that young people, for unexpected reasons at the time, uh, more less so now, um, can be vulnerable to this kind of infection. And that's, you know, the, the so-called cytokine storm, which is basically um, when your immune system goes into overdrive, that explained... Um, retroactively, scientists figured out that may have been what caused a lot of young people to die during the 1918 pandemic. And it certainly seems to also be happening now. Um, so there are a few lessons, but again, I'm not sure who's listening. Speaking of which, speaking of experts, seeking, speaking of public health, everybody dreams, imagines that there'll be a vaccine, that there'll be a thing, you get a shot, oh, a shot, whatever, Nasal swab, you take a sugar cube with liquid in it, and you then will have immunity for some reasonable amount of time. What, are, what is your assessment as a journalist of the status of vaccine research in, in, with coronavirus 19? Um, I think if we are very, very lucky, we will have a vaccine in about a year. But in a year. That is if we are very, very lucky. The spring of 2021. Maybe. There are some labs, like the Oxford lab, that seems to have gotten a head start, and there are some very promising signs, but it, it's going to come down again to how much are we going to be able to scale up? Are there production capacities to actually get enough vaccines for everybody? And again, if that's if we're really lucky, which we haven't been lately, so I'm not sure. So when you say we haven't been lucky, is it because we have been not uh, especially disciplined? We haven't been disciplined. We haven't been prepared. We haven't responded. We haven't listened. There are a lot of things we haven't done well. But I think this virus is also a, a formidable opponent. I mean, it, the asymptomatic infection alone is a really, really big thing to be able to counter. You know, for SARS and MERS, we were able to get in there and put preventive measures in place because people were only sick and able to transmit to others if they were symptomatic. I mean, this ability that this virus has of being transmitted from people who feel perfectly fine, that makes containment so much harder. Yeah, you don't you don't even know it's coming. None of this holding the thermometer up at the airport, the people's foreheads and determining whether or not they have a fever. So the second wave, that's a result perhaps, or to some degree of the asymptomatic carriers this strikes me as something that is underreported. Would you agree? Um, I don't know. I mean, in my world, it's definitely something that's discussed often and at high intensity that we need to be prepared for these oncoming surges. In, and, you know, the experts don't talk about just one because what we are actually expecting are multiple waves 
rolling through the country and rolling through the world as people come back out of isolation. So, you know, we are going to see sort of waves of infection and then people are going to have to go back in and we're going to see that sort of rolling effect for the next couple of years. So I think we have been hearing experts say that quite often. What advice, based on all your research, all your reporting, what advice do you have people uh, who want to get correct and current information? Whom should they be looking to? What sources? Well, for journalists, you know, we always say that our information is only as good as our sources. And I think the same should be true for people who are just looking to read uh, information that is good. They should think about what source that article is in. You know, obviously, if they're reading something in the New York Times or the Washington Post or the LA Times or ProPublica, I think they should believe that. Um, but I would be much more wary of that guy on Twitter or this person on Instagram or, you know, the neighborhood person, you know, my aunt and uncle and their cousin. Um, I think who there are, are a lot lo- of who are lovely people. Don't get lovely me people. Wrong. All right. This is just fantastic. Apoorva. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Thanks for having me. Uh, your point of view just means so much. It's objective. And th- that's just what our listeners really want, in my opinion. I'm sure of it. So you're saying three things. We need testing. We need surveillance, which includes the mythic contact tracing. And we need the healthcare systems, hospitals specifically, to be ready. So it's tests, surveillance, hospitals. Boom, boom, boom. That's right. All right. There you heard it here, people, from an expert on what's going on with this coronavirus out there in our world. Our guest today has been Apoorva Mandavili. She is a veteran science journalist who is joining the New York Times officially this month. Uh, You've been reporting on things uh, related to infectious diseases for numerous publications for a long time. And now you're you're also the founding editor-in-chief of Autism Magazine. uh, It's called Spectrum. That's right. About autism, right? That's, That's great. So if you'd like to join this conversation, and I hope you do, please leave us a voicemail. I'm sure you remember this technology. The thing goes beep and you talk and tell us about your experience with this pandemic. It's 201-472-0785. 201-472-0785. I'm Bill Nye, everybody, as you may know, and uh, this is a pandemic. We are all in this together, everyone in the whole world. So more than ever, science rules. If you like science rules, and I hope you do, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out and helps other people learn about the show and contribute. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Stephanie Karayuki, Dan Bloom, and Corey S. Powell. Our editor today is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is once again Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, Science Rules. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack.
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.